0: Early on in my calling, uh, serving as a pastor, I was asked to be a dean of a Lutheran camp for a week. This was Lutheran Camp Lynnhaven in Linville Gorge, North Carolina, beautiful place out there. It wasn't the first time that I'd been asked to be uh, dean of this place, but what made this year different was I decided to take my two boys with me, Nicholas and Jacob. Now, it was a camp that ran from Sunday afternoon to Friday afternoon, and on Thursday of the week, it was the tradition of the camp to go to Grandfather Mountain and hike up to the top of Grandfather Mountain. Well, we were hiking up there, um, going up to the top, making our way with the campers and the counselors and my boys. I was kind of helping them along, you know, because this trail isn't always the easiest to get up. Uh, Some places you have to use uh, wooden ladders to get up really steep rocks, or sometimes they have plastic-coated cable to help you you pull yourself up the edge there, the rocks and that. And after about, no, about an hour, hour and a half, um, my son Jacob, who was only five at the time, had had enough. (laughs) That was enough for him. And the only way I could get him going again, moving forward, was to pick him up and carry him. So I first put him on my back and carried him for a while there, then on my side, and then on my back again, and then I gave him to one of the other counselors. (laughs) You know how that goes, right? Sometimes the like gets long, doesn't it? (laughs) Sometimes um, the going gets rough. And when the going gets really, really, really rough, like when you're on the top of the mountain and storm clouds are coming in, that's when you wish you were back at the bus or back at the camp, knowing there's not enough time to get down the trail, so what are you going to do You're going to try to find some shelter, some place to stay out of the storm with the campers and the counselors and let the storm pass. But being under that shelter, exposed to the storm, is usually when people start moaning and groaning. And by their actions, they're saying, I've had enough. I'm not moving. If you would look in your Bibles that are in the pew racks in front of you at this section of Old Testament lesson from Isaiah 56, verses 1 to 8, you'll note that the title above that section is Salvation for Others. You see, people have this misconception that the Old Testament is about God's chosen people only. Yes, it's about God's chosen people, but... What was the task of the chosen people? To make the one true God, Yahweh, known to the nations. That was their mission. That was their calling, to reveal Yahweh to the nations. The most well-known verse of the Old Testament lesson that was read was a verse that Jesus quoted When he was cleansing the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 7C, if you want to call it that way. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. That captures the central theme of this section of Isaiah 56. God wants to save all nations. He said, God said to Isaiah earlier that it's too small a thing for my servant just to save Israel. He wants to save all people, all nations. And in Isaiah 56, 1 to 8, he says, including the foreigners and the eunuchs, two groups of people that were not allowed in the temple in Jerusalem. God loves us all. Despite our sins and wants to bring us safely home. You'll note that in verse 7 of chapter 56, there, the word house or home, Hebrew for bet, um, is used three times. And in verse 8, you have the word gathered used three times as well. The message is clear God wants to gather all people, including you and me, the foreigners and the eunuchs, into his house and welcome them home. The problem is quite often is that our life draws us away from God's house. Quite often, because of our sinful natures, we are Far from the house of God and from God Himself. You know, there are times when uh, God wants us to do things, and times that I want to do things, but that sinful nature in me just will not allow it. I want to do more. And Paul says in Romans 7, I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. There's more that I want to be. And yet, I find I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. There's more I want the church to become and yet, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there beside me. And so, we metaphorically shelter ourselves in this overhang and try to wait out the storms of life, grumbling and complaining and whoa. Woe to the traveler who challenges me to resume the journey. Woe to the people who point out my self-justifications and rationalizations. Woe to the hiker who reminds me that we haven't budged in months, even years. I'd rather sit around the campfire and complain. The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Now don't be fooled, on the outside, I keep my regular routine, but on the inside, it's easy for me to stop hiking. I often settle for sameness, safety, and the status quo. Comfort, complacency, and convenience are my watchwords. And quite often I then find myself stuck in this tight radius of won't, don't, can't, and quits. That's where Jacob found himself, tired as he was from the hike and knowing that there was more to go. He was stuck. He would not budge. I tried to encourage him. I said, it'll be okay. We'll make it. I'll protect you. I told him that he was loved beyond imagination. I tried to crank up all the charm that I could muster to make him feel secure and loved. And so does Yahweh, our God, do the same thing for us. God says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This shouldn't shock us. Because God has always been about the nations. When he called Abraham to be his own, he said in the third blessing there that Abraham would be a blessing to whom? The nations, right? He said all the nations of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. That includes you and me, the foreigners and the eunuchs as well. All people will be blessed. Again, look at who came out of Egypt. In the Exodus, we think it's only the Hebrews, the Israelites that came out of Egypt. No, read the scripture closely. There were multiple nationalities that came out of Egypt with the Israelites. Moses married a Cushite and suggests that those who believe in the true God and offer sacrifices, they too, you and the alien, shall be the same before Yahweh. Jethro, the Midianite, Rahab, the Canaanite, and the Gibeonites all acknowledge the greatness of God. Caleb, one of the two spies that said the land was a good land, was a Kenazite? You see, often throughout Scripture, and even in Isaiah, the foreigners are, are um, talked about as being partakers of Yahweh's salvation. <clears throat> when we, as God's people, understand that God is for us and not against us, We can come into his house knowing that he loves and cares for us. People who know God's word often need more assurance. And so did Jacob. So I started talking to him about what we would do when we got back to camp, speaking as if we were already there, safe and secure. I said, you know, When we get back, we'll go swimming. When we get back to camp, we'll go get a Mountain Dew and a Snickers bar at the canteen. And then I pulled out the big guns. I said, when we get back, I'll let you stay up late with me and we'll go scare the big kids. When we find ourselves stuck, we need someone who will point us past the present uh, pain that we're in and help us look at the future deliverance. That's why Yahweh pulls out the big guns itself and tells us that God loves us with abandon. He says to us in 56.8, I will gather still others besides those already gathered. Who is he talking about? The others. Other chosen people or others from the nations? that word still signifies that this is a group beyond those already chosen. That God will gather people from the nations. And that's what is fulfilled in the New Testament. When Jesus had his disciples assembled on the Mount of Ascension there, what mission did he give them? He said, I'm sending you to be witnesses where? Jerusalem? Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what the disciples did. They took the embrace of God's word to Africa, to Arabia, to Asia Minor, to Rome, to Spain, even all the way to India. And what about the, that's the foreigners there, so what about the eunuchs? Are they in the house of God? Remember Acts 8? where God sent Philip down to meet a person sitting on the chariot, reading Isaiah who had just come from Jerusalem. Who was that person? It said it was an official of the queen of Ethiopia, Candace. Official of the treasury. A eunuch. Specifically says, a eunuch there. And what happens? Philip explains to him, Isaiah, that he's reading. And the result the eunuch was baptized and welcomed into the house of God. With a loving embrace, God gathers you and I, Gentiles that we are, into his house as well. He welcomes us because we are now a part of that chosen and assembled outsiders, those not already gathered in the Old Testament. And he loves us with a loving embrace through faith now, but there is a much greater embrace yet to come. On that day, God will love us like never before. When Christ began his journey, he continued the hike all the way to the end. He finished that hike in spite of a disciple's kiss of betrayal, in spite of his friends running for cover, in spite of countrymen clamoring for his death. Look, the sky is dark. Two criminals are slowly dying, one on his left and one on his right. Jesus is in the middle, and he calls out with a final word. St. John records it. Telesty. it is finished, and the curtain is torn from top to bottom, the blood poured, the curse removed, the s- sacrifice complete, death is destroyed, paradise is restored forevermore. It has all been done, completed, finished. And I dare say, if Jesus' hands had not been nailed to the cross, he would have raised them in victory and said, It is finished. I have rescued my people. Those hikers and campers, we made it down the mountain, back safely to camp in spite of the thunder and lightning and the hail and the rain and the slick rocks. And I can still remember Jacob saying, you know, I did it, Dad, I did it. And I smiled. And inwardly I told myself, "Uh, you didn't really do it. You had help, a lot of help. But I didn't say anything. You know why? Because I'm receiving that same kind of help right now. And so are you. When we're paralyzed by discouragement, When every bone in our body wants to quit, Jesus finds us on the trail, picks us up, and holds us close to his heart. Hear again the loving embrace of our God. I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Why does the prophet say that? So that you and I will pick up the pace, pick up some hikers, and fall into the loving embrace of our Father.